right, it's Cody here. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for listening to uh, my, my podcast, That I May See. Uh, if you're not familiar with that phrase, it comes from Psalm 119, where the psalmist prays. Uh, and this is my prayer for all of us, but the psalmist prays, God, give me eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law or wonderful things in your word. And that's the goal of this podcast is to just kind of briefly uh, point things out in, in particular books of the Bible that are I think are wonderful and that God shows me as I read them. Um, this week will be in the book of Numbers. Uh, my plan is to go through the entire Bible and then, and then to just keep on going uh, with things that stand out to me in my, um, my daily scripture reading. But uh, I want to go through every book of the Bible, and I want to kind of title each episode Seeing Wonderful Things in Genesis, in Exodus, in Leviticus, and this week in the book of Numbers. Um, Numbers can kind of be a really intimidating book because it's called Numbers, and people don't usually like Numbers in general, right? Math is usually not everyone's favorite subject. Um, But I, I think the title kind of misleads us a little bit. Right, um, the the Hebrew word for the title of this book it actually means in the wilderness. Um, so that's what this book is about. It's about uh, Israel, God's people, going through the wilderness, trying to make their way to the promised land that that God had said that He would give to them. And uh, I don't want to get into all the details of the book. Um, I'll leave that up to you. But uh, it's a very uh, discouraging book to some degree. But it's also an illustration of the Christian life. Um, in the book of Numbers, uh, you see so much unbelief, right? They don't believe God will take care of them. They don't believe God will protect them. They don't believe God will do what he said he will do. They don't believe God will keep his promise. And that's us today. And, and what's interesting uh, about the book of Numbers is these are people that are literally being led by God, right? In, in a cloud and a pillar of fire. They can literally see a, a physical manifestation of God and they still don't believe. And what this tells me, and this, I think this is what it tells all of us, is that just because you, even if you were to see God, does not mean you would believe Him. We see the same thing in the New Testament with Jesus. People walked with Jesus. His closest friends saw him do miracles, saw him raise people from the dead, and they still ran from him. And so this is really just a picture of the Christian life in the book of Numbers, but I want to point out something really cool uh, in the book of Numbers. And as God kind of goes through um, different rules and regulations for things, in chapter 35, one thing he does is he gives a very, what I think, a very loving, um, just gift I'll say that, okay? He gives a very loving gift uh, for the people of Israel and for those who are not of the people of Israel, okay? I want to read this to you real quick. It's in chapter 35 of the book of Numbers, and I'll start in verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you. I want you to... Memorize that word, okay, refuge. That the manslayer who kills any person without intent may flee there. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger. That the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And the cities that give you shall 
that you give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities beyond the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them. That anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. I think this is incredible. Um, well, what's going on here is, you know, God is God is making provisions for for things that bad things that might happen. Right? We live in a world where um, all kinds of atrocities happen, and sometimes they happen on purpose, and sometimes there's no one to blame for them. Right? Which makes it really hard to navigate those situations. Well, God makes provision for people who may have accidentally killed somebody, even though their intent was not to murder them. And he calls these cities of refuge. Now, if you know anything about people in general, when someone's family member or loved one or friend is killed, even if it's on accident, there's no reasoning with that person. All reason goes out the window. And who can blame them, right? Um, when you've experienced the death of someone you deeply care about, it's hard to think logically because your emotion kind of just swells up in you. And this is what God is saying. God is saying there needs to be a place for people to go so that if they've intentionally killed somebody, the mob, you know, the, the people or the family members um, can, can investigate properly and not maybe pursue this person. Right and kill them, and, or, or do something irrational. God is being very logical and very loving in this passage, and He says it's not just for His people, but it's for outsiders too. One of the things that I've mentioned before in this uh, podcast is that um, the sojourner, the one who, the foreigner, the one who's not from there, especially in the ancient world, was the easiest demographic to take advantage of. They don't know the language. They don't have family there to protect them. They don't have anything. So let's say a foreigner accidentally kills somebody in a foreign land. It would be easy to just kill that person back, kill the foreigner back. Um, because they don't speak the language. There's already this xenophobia or stereotype against foreigners that they're not from here, so they must have done it. They must be guilty, right? By the way, xenophobia is something that has existed <laughs> for a long time. It did not. Um, it did not spring up in 2016. Right? It's been around for thousands of years. Um, but God wants to protect those, not just within the family of God, but even those outside, because He loves them. And uh, I, there's this movie uh, I watched when I was really young um, called Rosewood. Um, it's a uh, Rosewood. I think it came out in 1997. It's a, it's a movie about a small f- town called Rosewood in Florida. And uh, it, the, the population is almost all black, almost all African-American. And uh, what happens is a, a, a lynch mob comes to that town and burns the town down, basically, and starts lynching and murdering black people. The reason is, is because the next town over, there was a white woman who was having an affair. She was cheating on her husband. And the man whom she was having an affair with was white. And after they slept with each other, he begins to beat her. He begins to beat her so badly, she begins crying and screaming. He leaves the house. She walks out with all these uh, 
bruises on her body. And everybody in town is gathering around and they're saying, what happened? What happened? And because she does not want to admit that she cheated on her husband, she creates a lie. A lie where she says, there was this black man, this N-word, who came and raped me. She, be- she begins to accuse this black man of doing this or, or gives a false accusation. Now, the, the reaction of this is, like I said earlier, they burn Rosewood down, basically. They begin killing all these black people, they begin burning people's houses down, murdering. I mean, it, it, it's insane. By the way, this is based off a true story. I think it happened in 1923 in Rosewood, Florida. But, you know, I think about that movie and I wonder what it would have been like if uh, the man who she had accused of raping her would have had a city of refuge. Right? The character that had been accused in the movie was an actual sojourner. He was not from that part of Florida. He was not from that town of Rosewood and he was not even from the neighboring town. And so... He comes through and he's the one who gets the blame because he's a sojourner. Nobody really knows him. He doesn't have family. He doesn't have anybody back him up. And they begin to hunt him down. Um, but, but again, I, just, I wonder what it would have been like if that town had been practicing what, what the Old Testament practices called cities of refuge or, or something similar to that where people could have a fair hearing and be safe from the people who are angry. We know historically uh, anger has fueled so much oppression. I think of Emmett Till and his false accusation and just how these white men just mutilated him. And it just uh, it breaks my heart <laughs> because <laughs> I, wonder, I, I wish they would have had a city of refuge. The good news is the Bible says we do have a refuge, not a city, but a God, a God we can be safe with. Um, And there's even nuance to that because God was a refuge for Emmett Till. He was a refuge for the man in Rosewood, but it still didn't keep uh, people from murdering them. Um, But but I I just, I see God's heart in, in this having a city of refuge and having a place to where people can go and be safe, even with false accusations. Um, you just see the heart of God in it. You see that he, he really wants to be the safe place for people. He wants to be a place for us that when people are trying to hurt us, uh, when people are trying to cast us out, even with false accusations, as we see happen often in the scriptures, God will be a safe place for us. So yeah, I just want to share that with you today. Um, that's Numbers 35. I encourage you to read that, that about the cities of refuge. Um, it's such a loving act of God. and It, it just shows us grace and His mercy. But, but yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.